For the best possible experience, find a quiet place and use headphones. Thank you. There was no warning. When your whole world is broken and burned, and when everything is taken from you, it's easy to know what real darkness is. It's a pit in your stomach that never gets filled never goes away. An all-consuming black hole that slowly sucks the life from you. It eats you up from the inside, and it's all you ever think about. Every time you close your eyes, you relive every horrible thing that's ever happened to you. The darkness inside is always there, in the back of your mind, making every breath of life an ache and the few good things that you might experience in this new world will only be as good as your nightmares will let them. The more the darkness touches you, the more it turns you blind to joy. Soon, every step becomes difficult, and there are days when you could lie down and never get back up again. The day my life was consumed by darkness will always remain a part of me. The only thing that keeps it from swallowing me up is hope. Hope that I might see loved ones again. Hope that there might still be something left for me somewhere out there. It's the only thing that keeps me going. I have forgotten what it is to live a normal life. What it's like to feel safe from the world before. It's the sacrifice we all must make if we want to stay alive. Past Bedtime Studio presents Philip's Apocalypse. Original material by Michael Johnston. Written by J.B. Stephen with Ben Ajang. 
Philip voiced by Michael Johnston. Music by J.B. Stephen. Produced by Ben Ajahn. Episode 2. Darkness. Consciousness suddenly came ripping through my mind like a violent wind, jolting me awake. At least, it was what I thought was the state of being awake. Was I dreaming? Alive? Or was I dead? I couldn't tell. I was trapped. I hadn't moved from the same spot for two days, paralyzed by fear. I knew I had to do something. I was hungry, deeply thirsty. I didn't know how much longer I could last. Just get up. Please. Just... But I used every ounce of strength to stand up. My body was almost unbearable. I could feel my skin cracking as I moved around to stabilize myself in the darkness. I tried to look down at my arms to see how bad things were, but I couldn't even see my hands in front of my face. Resigned to my situation, I closed my eyes, trying to picture the room before everything went dark. Navigating dark and foreign places would be something that I would eventually excel at, but at the time, everything was new to me. I slowly traced the room, careful not to stray too far from the walls. I knew if I just kept going, I would eventually find... I could see a very thin strip of light in front of me the entrance to the cellar that led outside, a few steps away from freedom. Dad! <coughs> Dad! Oh, 
No one was prepared when the first heat burst came. Survival was just luck. I had gone to Alaska to meet up with my dad and his friends. He'd been meaning to take me on a trip for a long time, and my mom thought it would be a good idea to surprise him. He was so angry when I showed up at the airport. I didn't understand why. He and his friends had rented a cottage in the woods, and that was the first place we went. Then it happened. The air became so hot. My skin blistered and cracked. On the first day, I could hear them running for their lives, burning alive. On the second day, I could still hear the sounds of the trees crackling with flames, and soon after, there was nothing. No birds, no people. Just emptiness. Everyone was gone, and I was trapped in that dark cellar. The darkness soon began to swallow me. Time had no meaning. I couldn't tell if it was day or night, if I was even alive or dead. I was in so much pain that I could barely move. In every waking moment, as I drifted between realms of sleep and wakefulness, I could see my dad's face right before he left. I waited for help for a long time, but no one came. I was angry at my dad for leaving me behind. I had resigned myself to death in the darkness, but something stirred within me. The will to get back up push past the pain and find a way out. I was afraid to move too far away from the walls, not only for the possibility of falling and hurting myself even more, but there was something else. Andy. I knew his body was somewhere in the room. Andy had taken me down here for safety, and then a shockwave ripped through the cottage as if the earth had moved from under it. In the chaos, I saw the ceiling come down heard the sickening crunch, and then the lights went out, and everything went black.
As thankful as I was for any sort of light, I desperately wanted not to see what it had illuminated. It was just enough to see Andy's body at the far side of the room, okay. uh, twisted and mangled, oh God. crushed underneath the rubble of the cottage above. Oh God! His horrible grimace would be the first of many grotesque displays that would continue to fill my gallery of nightmares. In the distance, I could see the entrance of the cellar from the house itself was in a state of total collapse and would be impossible to get past in my condition. I had to find a way to break the padlock to get outside. Was even worse than I could have imagined. The landscape that lay before me was one of smoke, fire, and ash. The sun was dark, terrifying, the haze from the fires transforming it into a deep crimson color that cast a red hue over everything. I could barely breathe. The cottage had all but burned to the ground the cellar being the only thing to barely survive. The remains of trees still stood tall, protruding up from the beds of ash like rotted arms, crawling their way from their graves of dust, and the charred remains of many bodies littered the ground, frozen into contorted sculptures of shock and pain. It was a tableau of destruction and death. From my accounts, the first heat burst had been the greatest of them all. And what I saw when I emerged from that cellar was a world changed within an instant. Still, I didn't know just how different the new world could actually be. It would take weeks on the road before I realized that things would never go back to the way they were. The life I had before was gone. There was no answer. 
only the sound of the soft breeze that stirred the powdery ash that still rained from the sky. I was lost, wandering aimlessly around the cottage grounds when I spotted a structure nearby that was still standing. If my father had survived, it was a place he could have likely taken shelter. Suddenly, hope welled within me. Dad! I ran towards the building, the prospect of finding my dad putting a spring in my step that I didn't anticipate. As I got closer, I realized that it was the detached garage of one of the cottages. The main building had succumbed to the fires, but the garage was far enough away to survive the intense flames of the surrounding forest. Hello? Hello? The garage housed two cars and an assortment of tools and items. And in the corner lay a hiking backpack. The backpack had enough water and food for at least a few days. Probably because the people who lived out in cottage country knew how to pack for an extended hike through the woods. Even though the supplies I had found meant that I was safe from starvation for now, I still couldn't shake the lingering uneasiness of not finding my dad. These were someone else's things, and my dad was still missing. Oh, God. Ow. Luckily... The backpack had contained some antibacterial salve and several rolls of bandages. It felt like my skin lit on fire when I applied it. Oh, oh that hurts. <sighs> I carefully wrapped up my arms, satisfied that at least I wouldn't die of an infection. I slung the backpack over my shoulder, and that was when I caught a glimpse of my reflection in the window of one of the cars. I barely recognized myself. I was tired and hurt, emaciated and pathetic looking. I was covered in ash from head to toe, and my tears had washed a jagged trail down the length of my cheeks. Suddenly, the car reminded me of something that I had missed earlier. The car, it's gotta be there. Dad! In my state of shock, I had forgotten about the car we had rented to get there. My father must have headed for it when he left. I remembered where he had parked, and that was my next destination. The thick layer of ash that covered the ground muffled the sound of my footsteps, and the silence was unnerving. It was as though I was running through a void, trapped in some alternate reality. It couldn't have been the same place. What? Where is it? Where is it? Dad! <coughs> Dad! Dad! Oh. 
fire had robbed the area of its landmarks, but I eventually found our car, exactly where we had left it, by a row of short trees, and now almost buried by their blackened remains. Oh, there it is. Dad? There are few happy endings in this new world. A small part of me was still naive enough to believe that my dad might still be alive. And that part of me was the first to die. my dad. I wasn't ready to be on my own. I needed help. I needed comfort. I never found it. His silver watch and metallic briefcase were the only things left of him. I fell to my knees. angry and I hated myself for a long time for being angry at him I was angry that he left me and I was angry that he died alone without me I pulled my Swiss army knife from my pocket the cold steel of its small inconsequential blade rested against my throat I was ready to puncture my jugular, bleed out all over the ground in an act of sacrifice, my only bargaining chip, like I was threatening the world to go back to the way it was, or else. Shit! The knife tumbled pathetically from my fingers disappearing into an ashen grave as I fell backward onto the ground. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. My lifeless gaze lazily tracked the dark clouds that rolled by, and the ash that still fell from the sky began to slowly bury me, the last remnants of the old world consuming what was left of me. I could do nothing to resist. I wanted it to take me, to bury me alive, to end this immense pain that I felt. I wanted it to be over. 
And then I saw a vision flash before me. My younger brother's face, clear in my mind's eye. That stupid grin he flashed me right before I left. It was so ridiculous at the time I couldn't help but laugh. And now I couldn't help but cry. Maybe he and mom were safe in San Jose, carrying on with their day, completely unaware that our lives had been utterly shattered thousands of miles away. I knew the hardest thing that I could do in that moment was to get back up, keep moving, survive long enough to find out if there was anything left of my old life. The ash fell lightly from my clothing, the final remains of the old world falling back into its resting place. I opened his suitcase, finding only some papers and a small metal case of cassette tapes. I took the tapes with me in my backpack. Then, I took my dad's watch, tenderly rubbing the soot from its face as its strap crumbled within my hands. I carefully placed it within my pocket. I would always feel it there, a small reminder of him. Saying goodbye is the most difficult thing we can ever do to our departed loved ones, our friends, our pets. It took every ounce of strength to keep myself from breaking down, but my will to survive had awakened something within me. Something had surfaced from the depths of my mind, something strange yet familiar like a forgotten skill that had been learned eons before. If I was to survive, I needed to adapt, become new, reborn. I had to accept the new world for what it was, an obstacle I needed to overcome in my journey homeward. There would be days that would test me, push me to my very limits, but I had hope, and that was enough for now.
The entryway to the cellar stared back into me, daring me to return into its dark embrace. I ignored the nagging fear in the back of my mind as I descended the stairway, collecting whatever supplies I could. Batteries, a flashlight, anything that might prove useful. That's it. Time to go. It wasn't long after I emerged from the cellar, back into the dying light of the crimson sun, that I realized the broken body of Andy had barely registered any concern to me. This was the second part of my old self to die that day. I was a 16-year-old boy who had seen enough death and destruction for an entire lifetime. That darkness would keep growing inside me throughout my time on the road, replacing pieces of me a little bit at a time. But I considered it a necessary parasite to survive in this new world. I had cultivated a symbiotic relationship with it, one between the angel and the devil. I could either let it consume the rest of me, or I could use it as a tool to keep myself alive when the hard decisions had to be made. It was necessary to keep the paralyzing fear at bay until there might come a day when I would no longer have need of it. The last light of the sun was still peeking above the horizon and I took note of its relative position in the west. Then, I turned south, the direction in which I'd hoped there might be something left for me, the direction of home. I began walking, again bathed in the darkness as the last vestiges of light were swallowed by the horizon afar. Mom, Sam. I'm coming home. The last sunset I would see for a very long time. Philip's Apocalypse, in association with Michael Johnston Media, is a past bedtime studio original production. For more information, visit pastbedtimestudio.com. Yeah.